The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. Well, if you're anything like me, then chances are you probably do not remember the first prayer that you prayed. Um, But if you are like me, it was probably a prayer that somebody else um, taught you. Maybe it was a dinnertime prayer. Uh, Maybe it was a a bedtime prayer. Um, When our kids were really little and they were growing up, one of the things that Autumn and I wanted to do is we wanted to teach our kids how to pray um, without just simply saying the same kind of rote prayer over and over and over again. And so one of the things that we did is we talked to them about some different categories of things to pray about. Um, And so pretty soon what they did is they actually took all those little categories that we talked about and they lumped them all together and they came up with their own rote prayer, right? Um, Because there's something inside every single one of us that for whatever reason, um, we kind of always just tend to go to the same place, right, over and over and over again. And if I'm honest, if you were to listen to my prayer and if I evaluate my prayer, um, much of the time, my prayer kind of sounds the same. It kind of sounds like, help me, bless me, protect me, and show me, right? And help bless and protect, you know, my family. Um, and every once in a while, I might remember to pray for, for all of you, but pretty much it's help bless and protect. And every once in a while, you know, hey, thank you for this day. That kind of gets thrown in there somewhere as well. And I don't know how it necessarily got this way, um, but much of the time, it seems like prayer is a lot about me. Or maybe for you, maybe you don't pray. Right? Maybe you used to pray, um, but, but you quit praying. Um, and, and, and if that's you, um, then I don't, I don't mean this to, to sound offensive, but the, the truth is, so hang with me for a moment, um, but the truth is we're kind of the same. Um, because, see, the reason uh, you quit praying is because you asked God for something, and, and God didn't do what you asked God to do. And see, the reason why I keep praying um, is because I actually want God to do something. And so the, the truth is, we're kind of the same, right? And yet, if we're not careful, somehow, prayer kind of can become nothing more than just a, a good luck charm, right? It's just this kind of thing that we do every once in a while. And if we're honest, uh, maybe we don't really necessarily understand how it works or how God works. Um, but what we want is someone to just give us the right combination, right? So that we can actually make prayer, you know, work uh, for, for us, and then every once in a while, you, you bump into somebody and they tell you, well, you know what the, the real problem is, don't you? Um, you just don't have enough faith. Right? If you had more faith, um, then God would do what you're asking God to do. Right? And that's, that's kind of a good cover for God, if we're honest. Right? The, the problem, however, is Jesus shows up and, and Jesus says, that's not true. Jesus says, actually, all it takes is just itsy-bitsy, teeny-tiny, mustard-seed-sized faith. That's all you need, Jesus says. And then you'll actually see God do amazing things. You'll see God do incredible things. One of the things I remember uh, growing up as a kid, um, actually not as a kid, really as a teenager, when I was in college many years ago, I went to a, uh, I I actually saw uh, a broadcast uh, from a very famous evangelist who claimed to have the gift of healing, right? Um, If you've ever seen any of these things before, um, they take place in stadiums, right? So there's tens of thousands of people that actually come in to, to watch these things and be a part of these things. And again, if you've ever seen these, um, it, it's very common for the whole main floor of the stadium to just be filled with people who are in wheelchairs. Um, sometimes you even see people in hospital gurneys. And when you look, you know, the camera pans across the seats in the, in the sections, um, you see all kinds of people with walkers and canes and IV poles. 
And I, I remember hearing this guy actually say to these people as he's looking at all of them, he says, the, the reason why you're still in that wheelchair today is because you do not have the faith to get up and walk out of here. And I remember hearing that as a 20-something-year-old guy and just being so incredibly angry, thinking to myself, that is not how God works. You're basically blaming these people for their sickness and their illness, and you're telling them that God would and God could, but God won't, right? Because they can't conjure up something inside of themselves. And so here's what I want us to think about and what I want us to talk about together over the next several weeks as we are in this new series called Overcome. Right? What if none of that, what if none of that stuff was actually the point of prayer in the first place? What if we were to discover that the point of prayer and, and the purpose of prayer um, is completely different than any of those things? What if it actually has nothing to do with actually trying to get God to do something or getting God to give us something? What if we were to discover that for most of us as adults and for most of our adult lives, the way that we've prayed, right, and the things that we've prayed for, because let's be honest, the way that we pray and what we talk to God about, the truth is we just kind of repeat and we just copy what it is that we hear and see other people doing, right? Probably none of us in this room have actually walked over to somebody and said, hey, could you actually just teach me how to pray? Right, so we just end up kind of doing the same thing that we hear and see other people doing? What, what if we were to discover that for most of us as adults, this whole thing that we've spent so much of our time and our life doing uh, when it comes to prayer, what if we were to discover that's actually only a small part of what prayer was actually meant to be? And, and what if we were to discover that because it's so much bigger and there's actually so much more to it than we understood, that that one little tiny part that we seem to spend so much of our life in that so oftentimes doesn't make any sense to us at all, what if all of a sudden that started to make a whole lot more sense because we had a bigger context to actually understand it in? And what if despite you know, a whole bunch of well-intentioned parents and a whole bunch of well-intentioned preachers and even our own good intentions that we have individually, what if the truth is when it comes to prayer, we just missed a part of it? What if there's more to prayer than we think? See, the truth is, I think that there is. And so what we're going to do together, what we've been doing together in this season of Lent, is we're talking about overcoming the obstacles that every single one of us faith, face when it comes to growing in our faith and in our relationship with Jesus. And as RJ started us off last weekend, for all of us, I think we would be honest to say that a big part of that is dealing with our, the whole subject of prayer and our personal prayer life and honestly just asking God the question when it comes to prayer, does it even matter? Right? Does it actually even accomplish anything? Is prayer effective? Right? Does it really even work? And so today as we continue in our series, we're going to look at a section of, of Scripture together um, where Jesus, and, and don't miss this, Jesus actually claims to be able to teach somebody else how to pray. Now the reason that's so significant is because as far as I can tell, this is the only place in the entire Bible where anyone claims to be able to tell somebody else how, right, not what. Don't miss that. Where somebody actually claims to be able to tell somebody else how to pray. 
And chances are you've heard probably some of these verses before or many of these verses before. And the truth is for, for many of us, um, there's a section that we're going to look at tomorrow that, or next weekend, that <laughs> tomorrow, the next weekend that you have heard so many, so many different times before um, that for some of us is just going to seem so incredibly familiar. And yet if we're honest, Right? The truth is, we just tend to dismiss or ignore much of what it is that, that we've heard when it comes to the subject of prayer because we just kind of write it off as being trivial. We just kind of write it off because we think, well, it doesn't really matter. And so we kind of ignore or we miss what it is that Jesus has to say on the subject of prayer. Take out your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 6. Now, every single week, you tell me that there is that Bible sitting there kind of staring at you in the seat back in front of you, right? And I tell you about that every single week, and here's the thing. I want to challenge you, um, not only in this series, but actually all the time, but especially in this series, I want to challenge you to actually bring your own Bible with you when you come to church, or at the very least, download an electronic Bible on your phone or your tablet, because see... Here's the thing. I want you to actually circle stuff and underline stuff and write notes in your Bible and and scribble stuff in the margins. Um, Because when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and and, and gives you kind of one of those aha moments, I want you to write that down so that you end up understanding the Scripture better. Right? That's that's my goal for you when we're together in, in worship. And if it feels weird for you to write in your Bible, I get that. I understand that. But if that is you, then you really should download an electronic version, go to your, your, your app store, find the version Bible, right? It's just called Bible, and it looks like a Bible, so it's easy to find, and you can make notes in there and highlight in there, and it's not going to feel weird when you, when you do that on your phone. It'll be, it'll be fine, trust me. So Matthew chapter 6, the section of scripture we're going to look at today, um, this is commonly thought of and referred to as the introduction to the, the Lord's Prayer. And in these verses that we're going to read, Jesus begins to teach on the subject of prayer. And again, we might be tempted to dismiss or ignore what it is that we're going to hear Jesus saying to us today. But here's what I want to challenge you with. When Jesus decides to teach his closest followers on the subject of prayer, out of all the things that Jesus could choose to talk about, right? this is where he begins this conversation. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, he says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, where? Standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Right. Notice the very first thing that Jesus talks about when it comes to the subject of prayer is location. Right. And for many of us, we hear that and we think to ourselves, well, you know, that, that doesn't matter. Right? You can pray anywhere. And that's true, right? I think you can. I think, I think you can pray anywhere at any time. I think you can pray on M59 at 7.30 in the morning while you're drinking your coffee, talking on the phone, listening to WWJ in the background. I think you can do that. I, I think you can pray as you're driving home on Friday night or Saturday night, and, and, and you can pray as you're heading home, you know, God, don't let my parents be up. Don't let my parents be up. God, please do not let my parents still be up. I think you can do that. I think you can pray at any time and any place, right? So don't hear me saying the opposite. But when Jesus actually begins to teach on the subject of prayer, I think it's very interesting that Jesus chooses to start the conversation around the idea that there's actually a proper and an improper place to pray. That somehow location, the whole idea of location, that that actually matters 
to Jesus. And then he continues and he says, For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. And so Jesus is talking about a group of religious people who wanted to make sure that everybody knew how incredibly religious they were. And so what they did is they prayed very public prayers in very public places to make a very public statement. And Jesus says that when you pray that way, you will in fact get a reward. But they have gotten all the reward that they are going to get. Right? Jesus says they've, they've already gotten their reward. They, they've gotten it. What was their reward? To be seen by men, to be seen by people, right? You pray to be seen by people, you've been seen by people, congratulations, Jesus says, good job, you've been seen by people, that was your reward. Well, what's God going to do about their prayer? Nothing, actually, because see, they've already gotten their reward, right? Good prayer, that was awesome, way to go. Good job, Jesus says. But when you pray, so this is actually a command to us from Jesus, see, we miss that. But when you pray, in verse 6, right, he says, But when you pray, go into your room and close the door. Moms, you can go into the bathroom and you can lock the door, right? That's actually okay if you're a mom, right? And again, we say to ourselves when we read this, well, can't you pray anywhere? And Jesus would say, of course you can. Of course, you can pray absolutely anywhere. In fact, the truth is, for most of us, if we're honest, we've probably spent most of our adult life praying as we were rushing from one thing to the next. And that's absolutely fine. But see, Jesus would say, if you actually want to grow when it comes to the subject of prayer, if you want me to teach you something, Jesus is saying, when it comes to the subject of prayer, then the first thing I want to start talking about with you is this whole idea of where you pray. Now, what's interesting to me is that when you follow through the Gospels and you look at where Jesus spent his time praying, we don't ever find Jesus going into his room and closing his door to pray. But what we do find is Jesus getting up very early in the morning and going out into the wilderness to pray. And so I think we actually have it better, given that we live in Michigan in March. I think actually going into our room and closing the door is better than going out into the wilderness early in the morning. And see, Jesus' point is very, very clear, isn't it? He's telling us to get into a very specific spot alone to pray. That's what Jesus is trying to get at here, that he he wants us to get into a particular location alone, right? And we think, again, does that really matter? Isn't God everywhere? But see, Jesus says, if you want to go beyond what it is that you're already experiencing— If you want to experience something different than what you're already experiencing and when it comes to the subject of prayer, I want you to go into your room and close the door. And listen, I will tell you this from personal experience. Okay, This one verse, practiced regularly, this will actually do more for you in the experience of your relationship with your Heavenly Father than practically anything else that you will do in your life, in your relationship with Him. And perhaps the best way to think about it is to think about it in a a little bit different context. Um, Autumn and I have a great marriage. Okay, we do. We have a great marriage. We are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Um, We fight. Um, The truth is there are times where we get seriously angry um, with one another. Um, but, but, but we have a, a great marriage. 
Um, but, if, but if the only time that we actually were to talk to each other, if the only time we were to interact with each other was while we were dropping the kids off someplace or picking them up from someplace or while we're going grocery shopping or while we're kind of dealing with our agendas and our schedules and who's going what and where and when, then pretty soon do you know what happens? I can sit down at our kitchen table and I can look across the table into the eyes of this woman who I love deeply who I've been married to for almost 25 years, who I've raised children with, who I've, I've mourned with, and who I've celebrated with. And we can be no more than just a couple of feet apart from each other, and, and she could look at me, or I could look at her. We could say to each other, I, I just feel so distant from you. I just feel incredibly far away from you right now. And that doesn't mean that anybody's mad at anybody. Right? It doesn't mean that somebody did something wrong. It just simply means that we're missing each other. Right? Why? Why? Because there is all the difference in the world, right? Between communicating with each other when you're just on the go, between one thing and the next. Right? When your communication is just about dealing with the randomness of life compared to when you actually sit down at the kitchen table or at a restaurant or on the couch and you talk because the only thing on the agenda is actually the other person, right? The, the one is about dealing with the randomness and the craziness of life in this world. The other is actually about a relationship which our Heavenly Father meant to be a reflection in marriage of what it is that He wants with you, with you, individually, what it is that he wants with me, right? You could talk to God for the rest of your life and yet somehow still not feel connected to him because the connection actually comes when you go into your room and you close the door. And then Jesus says this. Go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Right? Then, as in this is the result of that, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Right? And, and we get to that little word reward, and, and when you translate that word, um, the original word there means to either repay or pay back. And you hear that and you think to yourself, okay, now th this is the part that I've been waiting for. Right? If this is the secret, if this is the key, if this is what needs to happen, right? if the reason I haven't gotten from God what I want from God is because I haven't gone into my room and closed the door, as soon as I leave here today, I'm going into my room and I am closing the door and because I've got some stuff I'm going to talk to God about. Right Now we're going to talk about my son. Now we're going to talk about my marriage. Now we're going to talk about our, our family's finances. If, the, if that's the key, if that's the secret, right, to going into my room and getting from God what I want from God, then I'm in. I'll do it. And yet fortunately, right, fortunately that is not what Jesus promises to us. The promise is not that you're going to get everything that you want from your Heavenly Father. 
And see, the reason why I say fortunately is because when I was 20 years old, I had the opportunity to actually be taught this at a conference that I went to by a man named Brennan Manning. This is a picture of of Brennan right here. And so when 20-year-old me went to this conference and I heard Brennan teaching on the subject and on this particular aspect of of the subject of prayer, at the end of this conference, I went home. Um, And 20-year-old me, I went into my bedroom and I went into my closet and I closed the door. And 20-year-old me began praying for a whole bunch of stuff that 25-year-old me was actually very glad my Heavenly Father chose to ignore. Because, see, the reward that Jesus is talking about here isn't that you get everything that you want. That's not his point. I think our Heavenly Father, the truth is, I think he's way too smart. And frankly, way too loving to do that. The reward isn't that you're going to get everything that you ask for, but Jesus says that there is a reward. He continues. Verse 7, And when you pray, he says, do not keep on babbling like the the pagans. Right Now, when we hear that word pagans, this is not Jesus trying to be derogatory. He's just talking about people who don't actually know the character and the nature of our Heavenly Father. Right? That's all he's saying. People who don't actually know what God is really like. Do not be like them, for they think that they will be heard or taken seriously. The word can be translated either way. Because of their many words. See, for all of us who have ever been intimidated to pray because we didn't know what to say or how to say it, this is actually good news. Because Jesus is saying, listen, your Heavenly Father, His heart is not moved by the quality or the quantity or the volume of your words. That is not what moves the heart of your Heavenly Father. His heart is moved by what it is that Jesus has already done for you. And then Jesus goes on and he says something that is absolutely baffling and amazing at the very same time. He says, do not be like them, meaning the people he was just talking about. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. And see, listen, if if your response when you hear that is like, okay, what's the point then? Right? If that's your response, if that's the thought that crosses through your mind when you hear that, then listen, you are actually on the edge of a breakthrough when it comes to your personal prayer life. Because listen, if your thought kind of goes like this, if, okay, so I'm supposed to go home and I'm supposed to go into my room and I'm supposed to close the door, but yet he already knows what it is that I'm going to ask him and what it is that I need before I even ask him. If your thought then is, what in the world am I going to actually say while I'm in there, you are actually on the edge of a breakthrough when it comes to the subject of prayer because you are on the edge of understanding that maybe there's actually more to prayer than you thought. Maybe there's actually more to prayer than you have previously understood. That maybe there's something about prayer that's actually different than just asking God for stuff and telling Him about all the things that we want. Now, don't get me wrong. Scripture is clear. You can certainly do that. Our Heavenly Father actually invites us. He tells us to pour out our hearts to Him. But Jesus says, let's not make that all that we talk about because he already knows about that. And so Jesus says, I want you to know something 
about your Heavenly Father. I want you to know why it is that He has given you this gift of prayer in the first place. Because listen, the most important thing that you have in this world, right? It's not your, it's not your spouse. It's not your job. It's not your family. It's not a ministry that you are a part of. It's not even your kids. The single most important thing that you have in this world, it is your personal relationship with Jesus. Every single thing that you have flows as a result out of that relationship. And that's what makes prayer so incredibly significant. It's not about trying to convince God of anything. It's not about help me, bless me, protect me. It's not about any of those things, even though all of those things are a part of it. The purpose is that your Heavenly Father has actually invited you into a relationship with Him that is to be characterized by intimacy, by actual connection and relationship. And that happens, it always happens, behind a closed door. When you are actually alone with him. And the reward is the peace that comes from knowing that your Heavenly Father is with you. When he says yes, and when he says no, and even when you do not hear him saying anything at all. Think about it this way for a minute. Every single one of us, every single one of you, me included, we all know what it feels like to sit in church and feel guilty about something, right? And the truth is, that's actually a good thing. You hear something, the Holy Spirit uses what you hear, he convicts you, and you, and you think to yourself, okay, I need to change that, I need to do that, I need to stop that, right? We all know what it feels like to hear a sermon and be convicted of something. Um, we, we, we've all sat through a sermon and experienced that before. We might not actually do anything about it, but we all kind of know, right, what that, what that actually feels like. And again, if we're honest... There's plenty of times where even though we feel it, we don't actually do anything about it. And see, the truth is, for so many people, their entire religious experience with God is nothing more than God, guilt, and get on with life. Just repeat. God, guilt, get on with life. How sad. How sad. Do you know what feeling is stronger than guilt? Accountability. Accountability. There is a world of difference between simply feeling guilt over something and actually feeling accountable to someone. Right? There is a world of difference between simply feeling guilt over a particular topic or subject and actually feeling accountable to somebody. I mean, if you live in a relationship that's characterized by guilt, how motivated are you to actually invest and continue in that relationship? And see, what your Heavenly Father, what our Heavenly Father has invited us into is a relationship through Jesus with Him, a relationship that's actually characterized by accountability, not domineering, oppressive, I'm out there waiting to get you kind of accountability, right? That's guilt. 
And guilt can change a behavior, at least for a little while, right? But guilt will never change a heart. Guilt will never change a heart. And what your Heavenly Father has invited us into and invited you into is a relationship that's based on accountability, and accountability is always rooted in love. Love is what changes hearts. Love is what changes the way you see your Heavenly Father. Love is what changes what, your heavenly, what you understand your Heavenly Father to want for you. Right? That He actually has a picture for you. That he has a best picture. That he has a personal will and desire for your life. That he actually has a dream for your marriage. That your Heavenly Father actually has a dream for you individually and personally. That he has a best out there somewhere for you. And he wants you to discover that alongside of him. And so he wants to have a relationship with you that's actually characterized and experienced intimately and relationally. And so he wants you to feel accountable to him. And that's not going to happen for any of us. When the only time that we talk to him is when we're rushing into a presentation or rushing to take a test or rushing across town to pick up our kids someplace. It's going to happen when you set aside a specific time, a specific allotment of time in a specific place and you get alone with him and you actually begin to know your heavenly father. One of the best things that we did for our kids when they were growing up as they were getting older, and the truth is I can't even say we because Autumn cued into this way before I did. But was, it was to actually hand this idea of being accountable relationally to their Heavenly Father, to them, as they were growing up. It was to give them this idea that they were accountable to God relationally. Not that God was waiting up there someplace to try to get them or catch them when they did something wrong. But that they were actually relationally accountable to their Heavenly Father. And so we would begin to say to them as they got older, listen, you're, you're accountable to your Heavenly Father for this. Right? You're accountable to him for your decisions in life. One day you're not going to live in our home. One day we're not going to be around as your parents. You're not actually not even accountable to us for this. You're accountable to your heavenly father for this. And that's not a control thing. That's not a fear thing. That's I, and I want what's God, what God has that is best for you kind of a thing. That's being accountable for God's plans that he has for you. And that is far more significant and that is far more life-changing than just simply feeling guilt over a particular topic or subject. And see, if your whole experience with God is just simply coming into church and sitting in one of these seats and listening to somebody else as they talk about God, and maybe every once in a while, you know, throwing a prayer up there somewhere when you feel like you need a hand, right? Then the truth is, God will hear your prayers. He will. And he won't love you any less. And God may even answer your prayers. But you could live your whole life. You could live your whole life and miss him. And so Jesus says, we can talk about your wants. We can talk about your wishes. 
We can talk about your hopes and your dreams. But I already know about all those things. So let's not let that be the only thing that we talk about. And so then Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. This is how you should pray. And that's where we'll pick it up again together next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, for every single one of us this morning here, um, if we're honest, we don't want to miss you. Even though maybe we're mad at you right now, even though maybe we're not speaking to you right now, even though we might not even be sure that you are actually paying attention to us, we're here because we're looking for you or we're hoping that you're going to find us somehow. And Father, the truth is, for some of us, we don't talk to you because we're mad at you. For some of us, we don't talk to you because we don't think you care about us or that it matters all that much. And Father, yet for some of us, the truth is, if we're just really honest, we're just busy and we forget. We're busy with work and we're busy with kids and we're busy with jobs and with families and with our, our spouses and just, we're just busy. And so, Father, this morning, as we are here worshiping and Jesus, as we are hearing you speak to us, and as we understand the picture that you're giving to us about the kind of relationship that, that you want for every single one of us and with every single one of us. Father, I would just pray that you would give us the courage maybe to start talking to you again. Maybe the reminder to just simply carve out a couple of moments, not hours, just to carve out a couple of moments each day to find a way in our schedules and in the midst of life that we could actually just be alone with you, not to ask about all the stuff. That'll happen anyway. But to talk and to listen. And Father, we specifically ask that in these next few moments that you would hear us individually and personally as we silently confess our sin to you. Heavenly Father, the promise of your Son Jesus to every single one of us is that you are actually with us when you say yes and when you say no. And even when we don't hear you saying anything at all, that we are never alone. And Jesus, the good news of the gospel is that as far as the east is from the west, that is how far you have removed our sin from us. And so your sin, our sin, it is truly forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.